Good morning. Today is Sunday, March 14th, 2021, Daylight Savings Time. This year, Pesach, the first Seder is Saturday night. That means that Erev Pesach, the eve of Pesach, is Shabbos, which leads to questions and confusion. How and when to sell chametz? How and when to prepare for the Seder? What and when to eat on that Shabbos leading into Pesach? And I discussed these issues with you and I gave you my opinion last Thursday night. And I invite you to watch the recording if you have any questions. And certainly you can contact me anytime for any issues about that or any other aspect of Pesach. And I said to you on Thursday night that you will hear different advice from different rabbis. I actually said you will hear almost always different advice from what I said, but I'm still standing by my suggestion as being the best. But part of the confusion is because this doesn't happen often. The last time this happened, that the first Seder was on Saturday night, was in 2008, 13 years ago. So, people forget from one time to another. And even some rabbis forget what they did the last time. But you should know that questions over what to do for a Pesach like this year are not new. They're not only in the modern period. It has happened throughout our history, including one time at least that we know of while the Beis Hamikdash, the Holy Temple in Jerusalem, was still standing. That was over 2,000 years ago. And people did not know what to do when Shabbos fell on Erev Pesach. And that story, which is recorded in the Talmud, is a fascinating story. And it leads to a critical lesson in leadership that is relevant to every one of us. And the story goes as follows. At that time, while the Beis Hamikdash was still standing, the question related to another detail of the tension when Erev Pesach falls on Shabbos that applied then, which is offering the Karban Pesach. We think we're busy on Erev Pesach on a regular year. But when the Beis Hamikdash is, is standing in the afternoon before Pesach, every family would send a representative with an animal to the Beis Hamikdash. It would be shechted, slaughtered, and prepared. And then it would be brought back and roasted. And that would be the meal. That was the Pesach Seder meal. Of course, we only have the memory of that. We have the roasted foods on our Seder plate that remind us of that, but that was the meal. The problem is what happens when Erev Pesach is Shabbos, like this year. Because offering a carbon, as we will learn in this week's Parsha Vayikra, the beginning of the third book of the Torah, Offering a carbon, a sacrifice, involves shechting, slaughtering an animal, which we're going to eat that night. Slaughtering an animal is normally prohibited on Shabbos. 
because <coughs> causing any bleeding of a human or any creature is normally prohibited on Shabbos. You can't offer the carbon Pesach on Friday the day before because the law is that that sacrifice had to be eaten by midnight the night it was offered, on the day it was offered. So if you if you actually came to the base of Midrash on Friday, which is still a weekday, I said to you, all the preparations for the Seder should be finished on Friday. But if you tried to do this preparation for the Seder, that would mean you would have to eat the carbon Friday night. It's not Pesach yet. It wouldn't serve any purpose. It wouldn't be able to be used as part of the Seder. Now, there is an exception to the rules of Shabbos for offering sacrifices, and that is public sacrifices that are offered on behalf of the entire Jewish people were permitted to be offered on Shabbos. In other words, the normal prohibition against shechti an animal and the other actions that would normally be prohibited on Shabbos, those are waived, they're set aside because the Torah specifically says that sacrifices should be offered on Shabbos, but only public sacrifices, communal sacrifices. The tamid, the daily offering that was offered every single day in the morning and the evening also took place on Shabbos. The Karban Musaf, the additional sacrifice in honor of Shabbos, was offered. We refer to those sacrifices when we say our Musaf prayer every Shabbos. So the public communal sacrifices were offered. But a private sacrifice, if some individual or even some family or group has a private Karban that they want to offer, that's not allowed on Shabbos. So the question is, what is the nature of Karban Pesach, the Paschal offering offered on the afternoon before Pesach? Is it a Karban Tzibor, a communal offering, a public offering, which is permitted even when it's Shabbos? Or, which sounds more reasonable, is it a Karban Yachet, an individual sacrifice? Because, of course, it is brought by individuals and it's going to be eaten by individuals, family by family that night. And in that case, it should be prohibited. That's the problem. That's the question. <clears throat> now, listen to this passage in the Gemara. This Gemara is a Masechta Psachim. The Talmud says as follows. Halacha zu alma This rule of what to do when Arab Pesach falls on Shabbos, what to do about offering the sacrifice of the carbon Pesach, was forgotten by the Bnei Becerra. Bnei Becerra was a family in Yerushalayim. They were the scholarly leaders of the Jewish people in the century before the destruction of the Beis HaMikdash. So about the year, let's say, 100 before the Common Era, and a little bit later, Bnei Becerra were the what we would refer to today as the Gedoli Adar. They were the greatest halakhic authorities, the most respected authorities in Jewish law at that time, and they forgot. They forgot. Pamachas, one year it happened. Chal Arbaz, Leos B'Shabbos. 
the 14th of Nisan, which is Erev Pesach, fall on Shabbos, like this year, and they forgot, and they did not know the halacha, if we still bring the carbon Pesach, even though it's Shabbos, or if we do not bring the carbon Pesach, because it is Shabbos. Presumably, this year, we don't know the exact year, we know it was in the century before the destruction of the temple. You'll see why we know that in a moment. Presumably, it had not happened in a number of years, because remember, it doesn't happen in any kind of regular uh, uh, frequency. Presumably, it hadn't happened in several years. And even the scholars, the leaders, forgot what are we supposed to do? Amru. So here's what they did. They said in the Beit in the Beit Hamidrash, in the study halls, they announced to all the scholars. They said, "Klum yesh adam shiyodeya in Pesach Dokas Hashabbos in love." Does anybody know? Does anybody have notes written from the last time this happens? Does anybody know what the halacha is? If you don't know the halacha, you have to ask. Even though they were the greatest scholars of the time, they didn't know, they had to ask. Amrulahem, so it was told to them, Adam Echad Yesh, there is a man here. Sha'ala mi Bavel. He has recently come to Israel from Bavel. Remember, during the entire time of the Second Temple, and especially during this time near the end of the Second Temple period, the majority of scholars, the majority of Jews, were still living in Bavil in Babylonia. That was the main seat of Jewish scholarship. Of course, there were scholars in Israel, yes, of course, and they were the ones in charge of uh, running and deciding issues relating to sacrifices and relating to the Beis Hamikdash. But they were told, a man has recently come from Bavel, the Hillel Habavli Shmo, and his name is Hillel the Babylonian. Hillel, the famous Hillel that we know. Hillel was originally from Bavel. The dispute between Hillel and Shammai and many of the stories about his life occur after he had already moved later in life to Israel, but he was originally from Bavel. Viodea and Pesach, Dovas Shabbos, in love, he will know, he will know what the procedure is today. Shalhuvakarulo, they sent for him and they asked him, Amrulo, Klumata Yodea, Ima Pesach, Dovas Shabbos, in love, do you know? For sure, what the answer is? Can you tell us? Because we've forgotten. Can you tell us what the answer is? And Hillel proceeds to tell them that offering the carbon Pesach is Doche Shabbos. We offer the carbon Pesach even though that it's Shabbos on Ere Pesach. It's a bit of a complicated question why that should be. Let's leave that as a separate issue for now. That is a different subject, also a very important subject, but we'll leave that for another time. Listen what happens. He gave the answer. He knew the answer. Now the entire Jewish people assembled in Yerushalayim knows what to do. Miyad, immediately, 
Hoshivu Barosh, the Bnei Becerra, the leaders of the Jewish people, the scholars, the greatest authorities of the Jewish people, resigned their position. And they stepped aside because they appointed him as the Rosh, Uminhu Nasi Alehem. They appointed Hillel as their Nasi, their prince, their authority over them. The Bnei Becerra abdicated their position. We didn't know. We were not qualified. Hillel knows better than us. He should be the Nasi. He should be in charge. And in fact, that's the story that leads to, to Hillel. Excuse me, hold on. I got excited with Hillel. That, that's the story of how Hillel became the Nasi. The famous Hillel that we know of was the Nasi. He was the prince, the leader of the Jewish people the expert in terms of Jewish law, the one whose opinion we follow all the time. And it happened as a result of this. Now, listen carefully. Here's what's truly incredible and unique about this story. Hillel was not some hotshot, rock star, scholar from Bavel who came to Israel and now everybody is bowing down to him and everybody knows he is the great Hillel who came from Bavel who is greater than any scholar here. It's just a question of time until he will be the Nasi, the leader of the Jewish people. That is not what happened. Hillel was an unknown. Hillel was poor. Hillel was not from aristocracy like the Bnei Becerra. Bnei Becerra, this family, Bnei Becerra, who were the Nesim, the leaders of the Jewish people in, in Yerushalayim at that time, they were the aristocracy. They were perhaps the most respected family in all of Yerushalayim at that time. It would be as if you said, I don't know, the name uh, Soloveitchik, the name Feinstein, these names, these are names that are, are widely understood to be the greatest leaders of the Jewish people. Hillel was not that guy. Hillel was poor. Hillel was unknown. We know stories about Hillel from when he still lived in Bavel. He didn't have the two coins to rub together in order to be able to, to pay for the admission to the study hall. He had to stand outside on the roof listening in. He was a nobody from nothing. No yichus, no aristocracy, no social position, no respect. And when the moment came that the most aristocracy, the aristocracy of its time, the highest social standing, the family that was the most respected, realized they did not know the answer. But this person, Hillel, an unknown, poor, no background, no social standing, but he knew better than them. They appointed him as their authority and they stepped aside. 200 years later, there was another Nasi, another prince, another leader 
of the Jewish people, another great scholar. His name was Rabbi Yehuda Hanasi, Rabbi Judah the Prince. He's the one that edited the Mishnah, a work of such unbelievable genius and taking such an incredible leadership. Rabbi Yehuda Hanasi lived about 200 years later and he said in another passage in the Talmud, he said, you know, I was able to accomplish many things in my life and I, ha I, and I had great, great gifts of leadership also, but I never could have done what the B'nai B'Seira did. I never would have been able to find it within myself to have the selflessness to set myself aside and let an unknown take my position because he answered that question correctly. I would not have had the courage, the honesty, the integrity to appoint Hillel. Rabbi Uranasi said about himself, that is true leadership. That is rare leadership that is focused only on what is best for the people, who is the best leader for them. If it is me, fine, I'll do my best. And if it is someone else, I will admit it and I will step aside. And no matter who it is, that is leadership based not on position, not on power or ego, not on social standing or wealth or reputation, but only exclusively based on merit. And it was a year like this year when Arab Pesach falls on Shabbos that we, the Jewish people, learned for all time this lesson in what leadership should be. And this year, when the calendar falls the same way, we should remember that other example of when we were confused initially about what to do. And remember the tremendous example of B'nai B'Seira in what true leadership should be. My friends, I want to wish you a great day and I look forward to seeing all of you soon in person. I want to take you off of mute. I'd like to hear what you think. Questions, issues, you agree, you disagree. I don't know if I missed something, but what was his answer? His answer was yes. His answer was yes. The carbon Pesach was set aside. Shabbos was set aside for the carbon Pesach. Yes, which is a complicated question. We'll save that for another time because it would appear at first glance that if it is a private individual sacrifice, it should not take preference, but that's a separate question. We'll, we'll come to that another time. Thank you, Rabbi. Thank you all. Thank you. Have a wonderful day, everybody. Thank you. Thank you very much. I'm sorry. Yes, tonight at 8.30, there's a program of Kol Taramitzion. I will be participating along with other rabbis. You're invited to join. The link was in uh, the 
email that I sent out on Friday, both emails that I sent out on Friday, and uh, I hope you'll join us tonight called Tarlamitzion. I will be one of those participating. Have a good day, everyone. Thank you. Thank you all very much. Thank you.